Hello and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Dominique and I'll be your introductory host for these little snack bite podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. So these podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore, and mythic monsters from all around the world, rather than focusing on full stories of heroes and their big adventures. We'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern-day content so you can learn more and get as obsessed as Aaron is about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Today, we're heading to Southeast Asia to my home, the Philippines, and looking at the terrifying Manananggal from Philippine mythology. The Manananggal is an aswang, what we Filipinos call our monsters. I'm sure every Filipino parent has told their children the story of a manananggal, a creature usually depicted as female that can split their bodies in half. This is where the manananggal gets its name because in Tagalog, tanggal means to remove or separate. So, every night, the manananggal leave the lower parts of their bodies in a tree and they spend the night feasting on unborn and newborn babies using their long tongues. The myth of the Manananggal is most popular in Visayas, the central islands of the Philippines. But it's a special myth to me because of a legend in my own family. The family rumor mill on my maternal grandmother's side says that her brother's wife was from a family of Aswangs, and based on the stories, her mother was most likely a Manananggal. It was said that she didn't go to her own mother's deathbed for fear of the curse being passed on to her. Whether that's all true or not, it can really scare the crap out of you. And it made me wonder if I have a myth monster inside me all this time. Erin's going to tell you more about the Manananggal, so I'll let her take it away. Sit tight and enjoy. Thank you, Dominique. Dom is one of my best pals from my master's program at Goldsmiths University of London and is also Filipino. We studied playwriting and dramaturgy together and now she's lecturing and dramaturging all over the place. She also wrote a fantastic play about another Filipino myth monster, the Capra, which we'll cover on the podcast at some other point and get her on for. But hello, welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and without further ado, let's get into today's monster. Today, as Dominique said, we're going to be looking at the horrifying bloodsucker, the Manananggal, from the lovely Philippines. I know that I said that we'd be looking at the Penangalang this week, but it turns out I read the wrong monster name out and I'm very, very embarrassed, so I'm very sorry. But the Manananggal is described as a terrifying, hideous, blood-sucking woman. It gets about with huge bat wings, but the most noticeable thing about this monster is that it separates its upper torso from its lower torso, flying around with only its upper half, displaying all its lovely intestines for the world to see. They will always try and hide their lower torso, as this is their most vulnerable part during the evenings, but I'll go into that a bit later. They have a massive proboscis looking tongue which they use to get into any orifice of a sleeping person and suck out things such as blood, bile, phlegm, livers, kidneys, hearts, intestines and lungs. However, their favourite snack was pregnant women. Why do you ask? Oh, only to eat their unborn children from the inside out. You know, the usual. However, during the day, the Manananggal is said to look like a beautiful woman, and if they so choose, also snack on men, trying to seduce them. Although, she'll go after their stomachs, liver and heart when they're in a private place. A note here is that they are exceptionally good at hiding their monster side, and they can go on to live normal lives, getting married and even having children with normal men. 
In the night homes, however, the Mananangal goes to a field usually of banana groves, as they look slightly like legs, and separates, leaving their severed lower torso behind so they can fly around. You can imagine how unbelievably traumatising any farmer must feel to find a bunch of severed legs in their fields. You could say, oh, you could say they're a bit legless. <laughs> they, sorry. They fly over to windowsills, rooftops or open windows. They perch and use their long mosquito-like tongue to root around for open mouths to feed out of. They're also sometimes accompanied by what's called a tick-tick bird, which is another mythical creature. When it calls, it confuses the victims, leaving the victim open to an assault from the Mananangal. So, how do you kill this vampiric liver sucker? It's by sprinkling salt, vinegar, spices, or smearing crushed garlic, all sounds delicious, or ash, which doesn't, on the severed legs which are completely vulnerable whilst it's flying around. And that means that the upper torso can't rejoin itself. And it can't exist in sunlight, so just as the upper half, it dies. You can also kill it with a bamboo spear to the back, daggers, or bizarrely a stingray tail, which apparently can be fashioned into the way of a whip. To keep the Mananangal away from your home, you can leave pots of uncooked rice, ash, or salt around it. If they see any of these items, they won't come into your house, thank goodness, so there are preventative measures. Now this is important in Filipino mythology. As Dominique said, Mananangals and other creatures are known as Aswang, which translates roughly to evil spirits. There are five different categories of Aswang. There are bloodsuckers, viscera suckers, were-dogs, witches and ghouls. And these obviously count as the viscera sucker type. Originally, I thought I would save this creature till we covered vampires. It will be a special episode for them anyway, but I don't want to throw too many creatures and cultures into the mix. On to etymology, the word Mananangal comes from the Tagalog word Tangal, which means to remove or to separate, which literally translates to remover or separator, in this case the one who separates itself. The name also originates from an expression used for a severed torso. But the origin of these creatures is actually quite odd. They have been referenced in literature since about 1582. However, this was in European books. It's thought that they were around through word of mouth in Filipino culture from well before then. It's believed that you would become a Mananangal if you ate a black chick, as this would have to be made by an older, more experienced Mananangal. As the chick matures, the person will transform into these terrifying monsters. You can stop transformation, however, if you get to the chick before it matures by beating the woman while she hangs upside down waiting for the chick to escape. Also, if you do let it mature and she becomes a Mananangal, the chick will eventually eat all the insides, which is kind of gross. Others believe that you can turn yourself into a Mananangal by chanting an special incantation, anointing yourself with oil, and doing this all with a black chick egg. This does link to a Filipino delicacy called balut, which is a fertilised duck egg, but they have a full undeveloped bird in there. If you are a vegetarian vegan, please don't look it up. I would just suggest that now. There are some stories that eating one of these as a lady can turn you into a mananangal. Also though, an interesting study into this delicacy was done in 2002, which showed some people who eat balut found they felt disgusted, especially if they saw the body and the embryo of the duck but they were still happy to eat it, and in fact, some of the people said that it made them feel
feel like a Natuang to eat one, which is a really cool link. However, Mananangals are said to be disgusted by spices and salt, and these are cooked in an amazing concoction of spices, and apparently it's to repel the Mananangals who practice fetus consumption. However, there was a rise in this monster myth after the Spanish colonization of the Philippines in 1521. Now, I love a good history lesson, as everyone knows who listens to this podcast. So I'm about to go. I'm gonna go now. Before the Spanish colonization, both men and women in the Philippines had equal right over inheritance, kinship and influence. They also practiced polyamory, had important social-based jobs such as healers, midwives and shamans, and were actually even able to get divorced, which is a huge thing. However, when the Spanish invaded, who are primarily Catholic, they completely changed the social dynamic around women in the Philippines. This change switched the culture from indigenous to religious, meaning that extramarital sex was discouraged and only promoted for procreation. However, this was mostly just for women, these rules, completely removing their social power within their communities. Any women who practiced shamanism, herbalism and midwifery were cast out and burnt as witches. Alongside this, Amananangal is the complete opposite of all these things that indigenous women in the Philippines were doing before colonisation. It's a demon who eats and kills fetuses. There is an argument to say that they remove the lower half of their bodies so that they remove their reproductive and sexual organs from their monstrous self, removing that motherly part of themselves from that equation. Obviously, their favourite victims were pregnant women and unborn children. There is a kind of cultural issue in the way that women were suspected of being Mananangals if there were complications of pregnancy or miscarriage with themselves or women around them, which is just absolutely daunting and horrible. Also, a cool fact is that they might have even influenced Filipino architecture and society. Some houses in the Philippines still have really sloped roofs with no windowsills on the outside of the houses, and traditionally parents of children would sleep with the child in the centre of the bed so that the Mananangals would get to the parents first. Now we can go on to cultural significance in the modern day. So for art, I would say for this one to have a look at independent artists, as there aren't many historical paintings or drawings that I could find. The only ones that I could find, I couldn't find bloody authors too, or artists too. So if you decide to go down that route, I wish you all the best of luck, and if you find any, let me know. However, there is some history behind all of that, because when the Spanish invaded the Philippines, they destroyed a lot of the indigenous texts, which were all lost to history, really sadly. Movies are an interesting one this week, because there's actually some amazing firsts here for the Philippines. In 1927, the first ever Filipino-made horror movie was released, called Mananangal. However, this too was unfortunately lost to history and not much is known about its plot, but we do know that there was a Mananangal as the antagonist. There are quite a lot of movies that feature the Mananangal. They are in Filipino, some of them, so I've tried to pronounce them here. Please give me the benefit of the doubt. I did research, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a linguist. So they're in Lipad Dana Lipad from 1973, Peng Sapit Nung Dilem from 1975, Shake, Rattle and Roll from 1984, Impact Tita from 1989, Mananangal in Manila in 1997, Scary Mother from 2017, and Ang Mananangal Sa Unit 23B from 2016. Thank you very much. Applause here. Thank you. Also, there was a very interesting documentary called The Aswang Phenomenon from 2011, which looked into Mananangals, and it actually looks really good. I've not seen it yet, but I definitely intend to. 
For TV, they're in the Marvel anime Blade, Encrypted, Elemento, Supernatural and Grim series. For games, there's only really two I could find, which are Manang Game. It's a mobile game, but it's a scary flappy bird with Mananangal as the main antagonist during your little flappy bird. And Nightfall Escape, which again was the first ever Filipino-made horror game. So absolute history, this had the Mananangal as the main antagonist too. Books-wise, oh, strap in, guys. Strap in. I've got the wildest suggestion for you this week. And if you're a US citizen... You might find this even funny, you might not. There is a book called Melania, Devourer of Men, which was written in 2018 by J.D. Boninger. Now, the story is that Melania Trump, yes, yes, that one, is a secret Mananangal trying to keep her identity secret whilst the Don becomes president. Legit. Now, I've not read this, but holy moly, am I going to. I literally bought it straight after getting this recorded today, so... It's gonna blow my mind. I'm gonna let you guys know how I feel, but what a title. My real books recommendation would be the Philippine Myths book series by Maximo D. Ramos. There are a load of books in this series, but I would suggest the following three. Philippine Myths, Legends and Folktales, The Creatures of Philippine Lower Mythology, and Philippine Demonological Legends and Their Cultural Bearings for some cracking info on Filipino myth monsters and just Filipino mythology. It's really bloody interesting. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I think it's a really cool concept. I don't think they existed. However, I do think the links to Filipino culture that are still very prevalent today are really, really fascinating concepts. But I just don't see the possibility of these flying half monsters actually being real. As far as I can see, there are lots of accounts that Filipinos have of actually seeing them. Also from Dominique herself, I learned that when Filipinos go to knock on people's doors, they say taupo which translate to, I am a human being. This is because it's believed that Aswang cannot speak in proper sentences, so it was adapted from Taupo Hindi Aswang, which meant, I am human, not Aswang, which Aswang, like Manangals, would use to trick people to let them into their houses. How cool is that? But again, I love the fact that these are still so known about and worried about even now. There are actually a few cultures and monsters that we'll cover in this podcast, mostly ones who were in indigenous in inverted commas at some point, like Filipino, Mexican, Native American cultures that folklore still heavily weighs on their ways of life, which I absolutely adore and really wish that I had some form of culture in the UK for that kind of thing. In fact, there is a Native American monster that I'm even nervous to talk about. Beginning with a W, ending in an O, you might know it. The Native American community won't even talk about this creature with outsiders. The only info we've got is from what people have tried to gather from them. They won't even say its name in fear of attracting it. I'm not even going to do it. I don't know how the podcast is going to go when I do cover them, but I'm super interested to see how it's going to go. But what a ghoulish monster we had this week. We don't usually go down the super horrifying route, but I thought the history behind this one was really great, and I've said many times before, I love researching history and folklore that I've not come across before, being from a Western country, so this is very satisfying to me. 
but also as well as my entertainment and hopefully yours. My aim is to be educational. I swear like a trooper in real life. If you've ever met me, I don't swear on these because I want this to be accessible to everyone. I think everyone in the world should get a bit of folklore from across different cultures just so we can educate ourselves and people we meet in general real life. So if you love this, I thank you. I love it as much as you do. So thank you for listening. Next week, we're going down for another first and we're heading over to the depths of the South African cave system for the frightening Grootslang. Come slithering and trumpeting through next week for this strange creature of the darkest depths of South Africa. I hope that gives you a little clue. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, the shiny new website that I made for all of you. So come join the fun and share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, babes.